Hey, it's Ralph here. Q1 is now closing and it probably didn't go as well as you had hoped, but I'm sure your agency is probably telling you that they crushed it. But in reality, it crushed you. If your agency isn't on the same page as you are, if there's something wrong, but you can't quite put your finger on what that thing is, go on over to tier11.com forward slash apply. It will set you up on a call to show you a better way to look at your business, not just metrics that make us agencies look good, but something that actually moves the needle and makes you more money, acquires more new customers, and ultimately achieves your vision. Head on over to tier11.com forward slash apply today. You're listening to Perpetual Traffic. Hello and welcome to the Perpetual Traffic Podcast. This is your host, Ralph Burns, and this is episode 280. And I can't tell you how excited I am today. Not only is Amanda Powell here, yet again, how are you, Amanda? Uh, doing good, excited as always. Pretty darn excited because we're actually going to be interviewing and talking with the guy we reference, I don't know, like every show, pretty much. He Should just I do so a happened. drum roll? Yeah. Should I do a... <laughs> <laughs> I can't roll my tongue. That's unfortunate. Yeah, I can't really do that either. But the um, <laughs> point is, is, we have Ryan Dice on today's show. And if you don't know who Ryan is, he is the founder and CEO of The Scalable Company. And, oh, he's the CEO of that little company called Digital Marketer that you're probably all fans of if you're listeners of Perpetual Traffic. And we're pretty psyched here today because he's going to be talking about predictable selling systems. And we talk about this all the time and reference it. And we were in a strategy meeting a month or so ago. And we're like... Maybe we should actually get Ryan on to talk about this, what it is and how he's been able to use it and how Digital Marketer has been able to use it, how he teaches it, and particularly around one aspect of those uh, predictable selling systems. So pretty excited to have Ryan on today. Welcome to Perpetual Traffic, Ryan Dice. Oh, thank you so much. Good to be back. Appreciate the work that y'all are doing. This is a, a great show and helping out a lot of marketers. So excited anytime I get invited back. Yeah, it seems like it's about once every hundred episodes, which is really pathetic. We should really make it a little bit more than that. I stopped taking it personally years ago. <laughs> I guess we can invite you more <laughs> often, maybe. <laughs> if you're nice. That's right. Only if you're nice. <laughs> well, absence makes the heart grow fonder. So right. we're pretty excited to talk to you about uh, this stuff here today because one of the things that for me, personally that I used to do every single year was watch one of Ryan's trainings, which was the funnel blueprint. And that has still, it's actually, it's out there. I think I still have my logins, believe it or not, but that has sort of evolved into another product that digital marketer, you can actually get through DM lab and through lab elite. If you're not already a member, which is let's build a predictable selling system. And that's an adaptation of that earlier funnel blueprint or sort of the napkin project, which was sort of the original thing. I think that I opted in first like when you were first starting Digital Marketer and, and obviously running this whole thing. But it's a foundational concept, and we're going to be going through that here today and how it relates back to traffic, obviously. But as we said many times on the show, no amount of traffic in the world is going to cure a crappy offer. So we're really going to be focusing on making your offer less crappy or maybe from crappy to great, or if it's actually a good offer, how you need to continuously improve it because you know, it was a high volume Facebook and Instagram ad agency. We see this all the time. Offers just sort of come and go. They have a definitive shelf life. And it seems like right now it's about three to six months. So I think this episode here is really important for you as a business owner to understand as you plan your end of 2020 and into 2021, 
because the platforms, the advertising platforms are not going to get any easier. But having a great offer makes it a hell of a lot easier to run paid traffic to it. So Ryan, maybe you can just give us a, an overview of a predictable selling systems just unto themselves of people who aren't really aware of what those are, how it sort of came to be, and give us sort of a broad overview of, of the entire concept. Sure. I mean, so it, it's self-descriptive in the name, right? The idea is how do we create not just a one-time campaign? And so when I think about marketing, you basically have, you sort of have campaigns and you have funnels, right? A, a funnel traditionally is, you know, that you've got leads coming in at the top and opting in for something, and then going through a series of steps and hopefully eventually becoming a customer, right? And, and maybe this all happens online, so somebody opts in, and then on the next page after they opt in, they're gonna be shown an offer, and if they buy that, then they see some upsells, right? That is a kind of traditional, classic, all online type funnel. Other types of funnels are somebody you know, opts in for some type of report or white paper, they get into some type of a nurture series, ultimately a salesperson reaches out to them and maybe they're closed that way. But this idea of a funnel is nothing new. It's been around forever. And then there are campaigns, right? Running a particular campaign that's made up of some type of outreach, like some type of messaging to try to get somebody to take action. This is what we've had in marketing pretty much forever. And then like rounding it all out, you've got general branding, right? What is the brand? Like that's what marketers did. They constructed funnels, they ran campaigns, they were responsible for the brand. What I really wanted to do is to draw a delineation between, because funnel got to mean so many different things to so many different people, right? If you were talking to somebody who, you know, they, they would hear the word funnel and it might mean something very specific, like, oh, okay, mm -hmm. so there's a lead magnet and then there's a tripwire and then there's, mm -hmm. it's like, no, like we need something that's broader that just basically says, how are we going to go about acquiring customers profitably and predictably? That's the whole thing. Like that is goal number one, priority number one of any marketer, of any business owner, any entrepreneur. How do you make that first profitable, predictable sale? It, it's yes, in the beginning you hustle and you do what you got to do, even if it's unscalable to generate some revenue and to make some sales. We all got to start from somewhere. And in the beginning, just to get that customer feedback, you need that. But at some point, if you want a business that will scale, you have to make sales predictable. And so the idea behind a predictable selling system is it is a system that you architect. So a system is simply a, a bunch of different components that come together to produce a result. I love the idea of systems. They work even when you don't. So they don't necessarily require you to go in and make a ton of changes. It doesn't mean that you, you know, don't need to optimize and, and, and improve them. But the idea behind a predictable selling system is it is a process that you put in place once that predictably and profitably produces customers, right? And what that looks like has changed over the years. The reason that Funnel Blueprint is not around anymore is because what we taught back then stopped working as effectively. And so now we don't think about it in terms of funnels. We think about it in terms of building predictable selling systems. And I believe that most businesses out there that are successful for the long term, they can point at, this is a predictable selling system in our business. And here's another one. And the goal of accumulating these predictable selling systems, that should be a, a major priority uh, for any marketer, any business owner as, as you know, we transition and, and get into 2021. Well, and that was even one of our Q3 goals was to start launching and like determining which of our campaigns that we were running on our promotional calendar were our predictable selling systems that we could continue to launch. And a lot of them are brand new because we've been testing a lot of new and different offers, which we've been talking about over the last few episodes in terms of the Epic Challenge that we transitioned to Digital Marketer with the Napkin Challenge and how that was originally, we actually got into with Garrett, how that was originally like a an offer that was 
not even meant to drive sales. It was specifically to help people during the pandemic. And then we were able to see like the predictability in it and then transition that into one of our main predictable selling systems. Yeah. Most predictable selling systems start life as a campaign. Yeah. You run and you find that it worked and you say, okay, great, let's do this again and, and let's optimize it and let's perpetuate it. And I think this is a lot of, this is a mistake that a lot of people make. They go, okay, I'm going to create a predictable selling system. It's like, well, that's getting a bit <laughs> assumptive now, right? It's like, I'm going to create a process. It's like, well, no, no. First you do it. Back up. <laughs> and then you say, okay, how do we replicate this? How do we make mm-hmm. sure that it can happen, that we can do it again and again? But it, it needs to start from that. So we can kind of break down the different components of predictable selling systems, what worked, what didn't. Kind of happy to go down any of those paths. Where, where do you think we should start? Well, I think you said something interesting before we hit record here today is the idea of the lead magnet. It used to be the lead magnet tripwire core offer. That was sort of the core of the funnel blueprint, which is now that's why it's no longer as relevant. Will it come back at some point? Who knows? But you said something interesting about the lead magnet as being one of these, what we refer now to as entry point offers. I think a lot of the listeners probably think of a lead magnet as the thing that we're going to be talking about, but it isn't necessarily that thing. But you also said something interesting that maybe they're not as valuable as they once were. Yeah. I mean, so, and this is an important thing to remember. So when you think of uh, predictable selling systems are essentially made up of two components. There is the message, like what is the overall message and the hook, right? What are you putting out there? that is going to cause somebody to see it, notice it, and take some kind of action. And so that has its own kind of, its own kind of formula to come up with those that we can talk about. But the second component is the structure of the predictable selling system itself. And so when this kind of traditional five-step funnel that a lot of people be familiar with, lead magnet, tripwire, core offer, profit maximizer, return path, that is mm-hmm. a structure. Mm-hmm. That is one structure of a predictable selling system. Another one might be a webinar. Yep. Right. Somebody registers for a webinar. Uh, they get a follow-up series. They get made an, an offer, a mini class, which is basically a perpetuated predictable version of a kind of traditional Jeff Walker style launch. Mm-hmm. Right. These are all types of predictable selling systems. You mentioned the challenge model, this idea of a paid online event. Let's have somebody come in. Let's have them pay for not just go through some free training, but actually pay for a training that is delivered live. And then at the end, after a lot of value has been delivered, an offer is made. That is a new offer structure. Like that is a new selling structure that is a type of predictable selling system. So this is a really important thing. Don't confuse the structure or, or basically identify any structure with a predictable selling system because the structures will change. Stuff that used to work will stop working. And, and to your point, Ralph, the classic, okay, bring somebody in through a lead magnet, <laughs> then immediately get them to make a small purchase and then make them ask them to make a bigger purchase and then a bigger purchase, we have found that just hasn't worked for the last really 18 to 24 months. And you know this, Amanda, better than anybody, but the reason that we had to make one of our uh, objectives for Q3 to create more predictable selling systems is because almost like, like 90% of the predictable selling systems that we had at Digital Marketer and other companies followed that structure. Yep bring somebody in through a lead magnet, get them to make a small purchase, get them to make a larger upsell. And what we found is that they just weren't doing it, right? It used to be you'd get about 40% of the people to opt in. Mm -hmm. Then you get about 10% of those people to to make the small purchase and you get about 10% of those people to buy an upsell. And it worked. And because of that, you were able to self-liquidate your acquisition costs and you were able to scale. Well, a couple things happened. In general, 
the opt-in rate stayed about the same. Mm-hmm. I was like, cool, we're still getting a lot of leads. <laughs> but now less people were taking that immediate upsell, even mm-hmm. though it was small ticket. Why? Because so many freaking people were doing it, right? <laughs> so many people were doing it. They had seen it. They're like, okay, I know what's coming up next. And this is not un- uncommon. It's not atypical. If something works, everybody's going to do it. It's mm-hmm. going to work less. Here's something you need to know. Marketers ruin everything, okay? <laughs> if something works, the better it works, that's just that just means it's going to stop working faster. So you got to make hay, you know, while, while the sun's shining, as they say. But And we did. We made lots and lots of hay. What we didn't do was realize that, uh, wow, the sun's kind of setting on this offer. So we saw what was like 10 to 15% conversion rates to that. Hey, you just opted in for this thing. Once you buy this other thing, it's only seven bucks. I used to crush right? Mm-hmm. 10, 15%. Now you got a one-click upsell into a, an offer that might be anywhere from 100 to $300. That worked great. Instead, we saw that 10 to 15% drop down to like 2%. Yep. Well, now you've only got 2% of the opt-ins even seeing the high ticket offering. Now, the conversion rates there didn't drop off quite as badly, but it didn't matter so few people were seeing it that the economics no longer worked. So what does that mean? It means we need a new structure. And this is important. This is why you got to bifurcate between the structure and the messaging. Lots of the things that we were teaching that we were bringing folks in on, those messages still work. We need to change the structure. So very often it's like, ah, this lead magnet isn't working. But what if we did the same thing as a webinar Mm -hmm. and asked people to sign up and on that webinar sought to make a higher ticket offering? Mm-hmm. That would help self-liquidate those ad costs. And then the people that don't buy, well, maybe we downsell them into this other stuff. Would that work? And we found that in many cases, yes, it did. So don't throw, if an offer stops working, don't necessarily assume it's the messaging and don't necessarily assume it's the structure. So you got to track the stuff and see, like still getting a lot of opt-ins. Well, guess what? People still like the topic. The message is still resonant. Mm-hmm. The structure is what's failing, so let's do that. So that I think keeping those two things in mind, messages, structure, both really important. And we found in a lot of cases, the structure is broken. We found in other cases, this messaging, we just need to update it. I love that you said that. When we had Garrett on last week or the week before, he was saying actually talking about that a lot in terms of the ads that he's currently running. He was like, once a month, he has to change the messaging, but the core offer is still working, but he's changing the messaging or opposite. Rather, we're changing the offer at Digital Marketer. But we got into a little bit of a conversation just around copy and how like just changing some of the copy and the messaging of some of our Facebook ads like helped exponentially in some of our offers, but we also talked about the lead magnets and how those were no longer working. And Garrett, you know, repeated exactly what you said in terms of the ads that he's running that go to our webinars now did infinitely better when Garrett came in and was like, yeah, this is what's working. And this lead straight to lead magnet is definitely not. (laughs) Yeah. And I want to come back to the lead magnet because there's a, I don't want people to think to hear, oh, so lead magnets don't work. I should stop doing it. Meaning I should not offer. Just not at the front end. Kind of, yeah. So I want to come back and talk, I want to come back and talk about that and where they go. Because very often when structures stop working, it doesn't actually mean they stopped working. It means that they're not working as effectively as an acquisition Mm -hmm. selling system, right? There are predictable selling systems that work on acquisition. There are predictable selling systems that work on for activation, meaning getting the people who are on your list to finally buy. There are predictable selling systems that work for ascension. 
an expansion, meaning getting your buyers to go back and buy again. The idea of a predictable selling system is we can deploy this and it will produce a predictable result. Mm-hmm. Right. So, but I want to come back because lead magnets do still have a critical role to play, but you talked about messaging mm-hmm. and that's so important. Can we spend just a little bit of time talking about that and how we approach that? Well, there is no question that when it comes to influence and persuasion in digital marketing, no one, and I mean no one, commands more respect than Dr. Robert Cialdini. If you have never read his books, Influence and Persuasion, I swear you are missing so much in your digital marketing, not only as an influencer and an advertiser, but as just a great marketer. And that's why I'm so excited to invite you to a free webinar where he'll be sharing his latest insights on new e-commerce strategies. Now, alongside Dr. Cialdini, you'll learn from Bass Wouters and the authors of Reputation King, my buddy Scott Branley and DJ Sprague. Attendees will absolutely be able to understand exactly how to gain a competitive edge in the marketplace by leveraging online reputation management. Now, that's something that we haven't talked about here on this show all that much. And it's more reason for you to register for the webinar here, which is completely free over at reputationking.com forward slash PT. So join us on April 18th from 12 noon to 2 p.m. Eastern. That's 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Pacific for you West Coasters by registering at reputationking.com forward slash PT. Once again, that's reputationking.com forward slash PT. Cialdini has been a huge influence on me, and I can't wait to see how his new e-commerce strategies resonate with you and how they affect your business in a positive way using reputation management. Make sure that you register for the April 18th free webinar at reputationking.com forward slash PT. Absolutely. So where everybody gets messaging wrong is they think that as long as they have something that is desirable, (laughs) that people are going to take notice of it. And so everybody's like, okay, what, what do people want? What's the thing that they really want? What's their core desire? And we've taught this when we've talked about before and after grid, right? And this idea of understanding what's the desired end result. And if you could just speak to your customer and say, look, if you buy this thing, it should get you this end result. That works to what we would call is the, you know, immediately available market. So the people who are actively looking for a solution to that problem, if they're out there, they're in the market, they're looking, you're going to get, you're probably going to get them really good chance you're going to get them. The problem is they're tiny. Mm-hmm. And, and Ralph, I know you've dealt with this, right? You got a client that's like, hey, let's scale, let's scale. Like it's working, let's scale. And, and you start to scale and now it stops working. Mm-hmm. Why did it stop working? It's because you went beyond the available market, the people who are available right now, and you moved out to this addressable market. These are people who they would be willing to, but the pain isn't severe enough yet for them to take action or... They've heard that same thing so many times mm-hmm. that they simply don't believe it anymore. Mm. It's like, oh, great. So you're telling me that you've got a pill that if I swallow it, I'm going to lose weight. Well, freaking <laughs> awesome. So did everybody else. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I tried it a hundred times and it's only never worked. And maybe yours is the one that worked. What we don't realize is, you know, if you've ever like dated somebody and you've been the person they dated, like after they just got out of a really bad relationship, Right. 
I, I, I married the first woman that talked to me, so I haven't experienced this, but I've heard that this can happen. It's <laughs> about to say. If, if you are this person though, like you got to know, you could be the best person in the world, but that person that you're going out because of that previous bad relationship, they're going to make certain assumptions about you, even if they're not fair, right? There are people, if you're in a competitive space, which is also known as a hundred percent of everybody listening right now, if you are in a market worth being in, it is competitive. And there are no more kind of little holes and pockets in the internet that nobody's figured out. Like, come on, that was gone like 15 years ago. (laughs) It's gotten remarkably efficient. If you are in a market worth being in, then you are marketing to people who have been sold to and not delivered, right? So what does that mean? They got out of some bad relationship. They got some baggage. They're going to project a lot of that on you. So not only do we need to overcome people's previous failures or failures that were thrust upon them, their doubts, their lack of belief. We need to overcome just the general noise out there in the marketplace. Holy crap, right now, especially, there's all these kinds of things getting our attention more so than ever. Like, how do you break through that? And what you have to do is you've got to make what you're talking about new. You have to make it new. You have to make it novel. It truly has to be a big idea. And we talk about this a lot at digital marketers. So the first step is, yes, identify what is the core desire. That is step one. You have to do that, right? You have to say, this is the core desire. You know that you want it. But just saying, hey, is this your core desire? Do you want to lose weight? Like, yes, I do. Well, we've got a pill that'll do it. Not good enough. They've heard that. So what everybody's looking for, and this is the essence of a big idea. This is how you craft a message that can scale. This is how you can, if you can attach a big idea message to a structure that's working well, that is the formula for a predictable selling system that'll scale. So when it comes to the message, you got to know their core desire. But then what you have to do is you have to look for what's going on in the world for opportunities that make the achievement of this core desire possible in a new way that somebody hasn't tried before. That is it. Like something must have happened. And and here's kind of, we kind of unpack how this happens, but I, I like to say, imagine that you're talking to your customer you walk up to them on a street, you go, oh my gosh, you won't believe what happened, right? You go and say that to somebody, even if you don't know them very well, what are they going to say? What happened? <laughs> Holy crap, what happened? If you can then follow up with, you know how you've always wanted, <laughs> insert thing they've always wanted? Well, I realized in the past that was difficult for all of these reasons, insert things that everybody already knows and believes to be true. Well, check this out. Recently, this thing happened that makes it now possible to get this core desire that you've always wanted, right? That is the essence of a big idea. You must have a happening and you must attach that happening uh, to an existing core desire. Most people either are like outlandish and crazy and and they do all this stuff to create this attention. It's like, what happened? Me, I'm crazy, right? It's like, okay, you're going to get attention for a while, but if it's not attached to a core desire, you're merely momentary, temporary entertainment. That's the crazy cat video. Right. Right. Oh my God, the cat. Well, that's silly. Like that's what happened. You won't believe that. Ah, check this out. Let's look at what this funny cat did. Cool. But I'm not going to take an action based on that. That was a momentary distraction. But if you can attach a happening to an existing core desire such that now there's a new way for me to achieve this thing I've always wanted, that's how you capture hold attention. That's the essence of a big idea. And that unto itself is really hard to figure out. 
I mean, maybe we can deconstruct that, how you actually do it. When we have a person dedicated to doing just that's their entire job is Mm -hmm. to figure out what the messaging is going to be. Yeah, they're called copywriters. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. that is the hardest thing in the world to do. Absolutely. It's to figure out. And we've actually had customers where he's gone so deep and he's like, there is nothing in this product. And they hadn't sold any of it yet. There's nothing in this product that is different in this very mature and crowded market. I, I can't latch onto a single thing. <laughs> the one time I was like, oh my God, like he's completely stumped. They ended up not ever working with us. But the point was, is like, it's really hard. And he spends an entire weekend or seven days consecutively on one customer on their core offer figuring all this out. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying everyone needs to do that, but it's almost like finding out like what that message is going to be. Oh my God, I found this thing. You'll never guess what happened next. It takes some work to do that. Is there a way to hack that process or to shorten (laughs) it? Or is it just do your damn research and tons of Google searches and really understand the product and figure out why it's different than everything else that's out there and cuts through the noise? Is there an easier way to do it? Or is it just like you got to do the work? So sometimes the marketing gods shine upon you and it falls in your lap, right? (laughs) Right. The one-legged golfer from John Carlton. (laughs) Well, yeah. I mean, that is like, you talk about the example that's a John Carlton ad, right? Right. The true story of the one-legged golfer. And it's like, you won't believe what happened. You know what? Well, it's like, you know how you have always wanted to add an additional like 20, 30 yards to your drive? Core desire. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, the other day I was on the course and I saw this guy with one leg absolutely crushing drives straight down the center of the fairway. Mm -hmm. I mean, one leg crushing drives down the center. So obviously this is not about like strength. It's not about like doing all your stretches and all this other stuff. He figured out a particular swing type that kept him balanced and allowed him to to do it. And I got him to show it to me. And, and sure enough, as soon as I did and applied his methods, I was driving the ball 15, 20 yards further, no back pain, much simpler swing. I mean, heck, if this guy can do it on one leg, surely we can do it on two, right? Mm-hmm. So that's an example of a big idea that mm-hmm. is, falls in the category of a new discovery. Mm-hmm. So the new discovery is one type of way to do this. So sometimes something happens that is truly just brand new. Let me give you another example. You won't believe what happened. Well, you know how you've always wished that you could, you know, kind of shed some of that excess like belly weight and lean up, you know, trim up, but it's hard, right? We don't want to start to death. Don't have time to exercise. Yeah. Well, this guy figured out that if you blend butter up in your coffee and you drink this like butter infused coffee, which believe it or not actually tastes really good. It, it basically serves as your breakfast in the morning. And if you follow all the stuff that he tells you, you actually lose weight by eating butter. <laughs> okay. Right. That's a new discovery, right? Yeah. That was the, the new discovery that essentially launched Bulletproof. Sure. Yeah. You know, and that, and that whole Bulletproof coffee and Bulletproof thing, one new discovery. So sometimes, sometimes this happens and sometimes it's, we actually discovered something new. Uh, sometimes it is, this thing just happened. And so it's a new discovery that happened to us. This doesn't work now. We're too far beyond it, but there are, you think about Zoom and the benefit that it got from COVID, like what happened? Mm pandemic, mm-hmm. right? We can't leave the triggering event, mm-hmm. right? I mean, that was the whole thing. Yeah. Sometimes it is this obvious, like triggering event that occurred that you can latch onto. So sometimes that just happens when it doesn't, sometimes you need to make a, make your own big discovery uh, about it. So maybe you run a survey or you do a poll or you do some, you know, and, and you go, uh, this is what dove soap 
did. They did a, this survey in conjunction with Twitter and did all this research around negative body image and, and discovered that like four out of five beauty tweets by women were negative and 80% of those were women talking negatively about themselves. So that was the new discovery. Now, where did it come from? It came from a study that they issued. So sometimes stuff happens out in the world and you got to look for it. And this is like, yeah, that's the job of the marketer. Keep your eyes open and make connections to things that don't seem relevant. Sometimes you just got to make your own, right? So let's go and do a, a survey. So that's the new discovery. Sometimes it's a new perspective. So a new perspective is where you figure out the things that everybody's talking about under their breath, but nobody's saying out loud yet, you become the first person to say it out loud. Digital Marketer was largely built on this concept of a new perspective. So when, when we first launched Digital Marketer as a brand and as a standalone company back in 2012, everybody was talking about uh, CRO, conversion rate optimization. That's where the world was, right? And we came out and said, you know, what we've actually figured out is that CRO is not the thing. It's actually customer value optimization. It's a lot of what we're talking about right now, right? This idea that like you can only optimize your conversion rate so much, uh, you're going to reach a point of diminishing returns. Really what you need to do is focus on customer values. So focus on upsells, cross-sells, ascension, put all your efforts there. Then you can go back and optimize conversion rates. But in general, your study, your practice around marketing should be CVO, not CRO. Mm -hmm. So that was giving a new... So very often we just give new names to stuff, mm. right? <laughs> yep. And it's like, paleo diet, like all the, the mm -hmm. diet and health industry is best at this. So yeah. new discovery, new perspective, sometimes just take a stand, like draw a line in the sand. Hey, you know, here's what we're, we're taking a stand for this. You see this happen a lot in, in marketing a lot more right now, but like drift.com, they took a stand, they declared may, and this is all arbitrary. Mm -hmm. Like we're declaring. And, and so drift, if you don't know, it's a revenue accelerator platform is what they call it now. But you know, when they first started out, it was primarily like chatbots. Yeah. Right. Like chatbot software for enterprise companies was basically their idea. And their whole thing was, hey, gated content, like having people opt in for this, like that doesn't work as well as it once did. So and so that is a new perspective. But then they added on, so we're declaring May to be no forms month pull all the forms off your website and put a chatbot on there instead. Start talking to your customers, stop getting opt-in, start talking to people. So that's drawing a line in the sand. That, that was all just manufactured, <laughs> right? By their head of marketing, David Gerhardt at the time. So these things, can, like good marketers, so weak marketers never look for the happening. Yeah, They just say like, well, I've got my features and my benefits and people should buy it, right? That's what kind of your C-level marketers do who never quite break through. It's like, well, I, I wrote really good copy. You look at this headline. It follows you know, the best practices of headlines and it's, the benefit is clear. So they should buy it. Mm -hmm. um, that's a C-level marketer. B-level marketers are aware of and take advantage of happenings that occur. Mm -hmm. they, they jump on them when they occur. They see them and they connect the dots. I believe that A-list marketers, those marketers that are the next level, they create movements. They create happenings. Uh, they see what's going on. They notice the undercurrents. And they really push them forward. But that messaging, that's everything. Yeah. Ryan, you've sat the entire marketing and content team down and talked through this mindset that we should have as we're building out these offers and these different systems. And I love, I think, I can't remember what company it was, but you specifically, I think it was Budweiser, where you talked about how they just decided like, hey, we're bottling in brown bottles. It was Schlitz beer. 
Schlitz beer. Yeah. Yeah. It was Schlitz beer. And that was Claude Hopkins. They just gave a name yeah, to this it. This is not a new concept. Like Schlitz beer, their thing was like, yeah, they started off with, we're in filtered air. We brew all of our beer in filtered air. <laughs> Everybody brewed it in filtered air. <laughs> this was not a new concept. They mm-hmm. talked about it. So it, it was a new discovery. And this is a lot of people think it has to be a new discovery for everybody. Uh-uh. It only has to be new to your audience. And right. then, yeah, the same thing. Like our beer, we store our beer in brown bottles. They were <laughs> all brown bottles. You couldn't buy beer in a clear bottle back then because <laughs> every beer company understood that the brown bottles kept the light out. And so mm-hmm. it had a longer shelf life. Everybody did it. Everybody knew it. They were the first to talk about it. So it was a new discovery. Mm-hmm. And that's where like, what happened? Hey, we're doing it in brown bottles. They always were doing it in brown bottles. <laughs> so it, it doesn't have to truly be new. Mm-hmm. You have to make it new or you have to present it in such a way that everybody understands why it is actually important. That's what marketers do, right? That's what we're doing. We're shining a spotlight saying, hey, this is freaking important over here. But figuring that out, sometimes by the way, what it can be is screwing something up. hmm and acknowledging it. Like we've had a lot of successful, you know, successful campaigns and promotions that were able to be fairly evergreen, turned into predictable selling systems mm-hmm. that came from a big giant screw up. Uh, my favorite example, in part because it's not us, but Domino's Pizza. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, here in the States, Domino's Pizza did this whole thing where they were like, hey, and it was like part new discovery, part new perspective, part taking a stand. But they basically said, we've listened, we've heard you. You've told us our pizza tastes like crap. And you told us it tastes like cardboard. And we want, we heard you, we're sorry. And we completely redid our pizza so that it actually tastes good. And they did, they called it, it, you can still go to Mm pizzaturnaround.com. But they did this multi-year campaign with a CEO just saying like, and so again, what happened? Hey, you won't believe what happened. Well, what happened? Well, you know how like, you like delivery pizza because it's fast and it's convenient, but it usually tastes crappy like the cardboard of this learning. Yeah. Well, check this out. Domino's Pizza realized they're the first one to finally acknowledge like, yeah, our pizza kind of sucks. And so they completely redid their, they acknowledged it. They redid their recipe. And now you can get hot, fast, inexpensive pizza delivered to your door, core desire, mm-hmm. right? But every, everybody's saying that. I don't believe anymore. You can actually get it and it'll actually taste good mm-hmm. because they redid the recipe because they acknowledged it. That's a happening. Mm-hmm. What happened? As marketers, if we want offers that will scale, we need to identify happenings. And that's also how you keep predictable selling systems fresh. Mm-hmm. The structure stays more times than not. Eventually, mm-hmm. the structure will fade away as well. We already talked about that. Sometimes structures just stop working. They get used so much. But more times than not, the structure isn't necessarily broken. The offer, the product that you're selling in the back end, people still want it. Mm-hmm. You got to make the old new. And to do that, you need to identify a new happening. How do you do that? Like, how do you, I mean, it, it's a lot of work. Like the John Carlton example, mm-hmm. I read that he was doing like about five or six days of research and then he found that. So it did fall in his lap and it obviously it sold a lot of golf clubs, but like, how do you do it? Like, how do you explain that to someone? These are all great examples, but how does the average person listening to the show say, I get what he's saying. I understand it, but he's Ryan Dyson. He can do that. Like (laughs) going away. Like we've actually done stuff where we've had people in a line and just say, Hey, here's my product. And Ryan says, go this way with your messaging. Like (laughs) that's your gift, I think. But 
how does the average person do it? Is it just a lot of work or is it, is there a way to do it so that they don't have to spend as much time as maybe John Carlton did or you do and some of the things that you've been able to do? So I, I don't think there's any replacement for rep sets and just lots of research. There isn't. And part of the reason that I'm able to do it quickly is because I've been doing it for a long time. Right. And I, it's hard for me to do it if I get outside of markets that I'm not, that I don't know a lot about because I'm not living it. So just living in your market, listening to your customers and the things that they're talking about, there is no substitute for that. And it's really tough to shortcut it. I will tell you from a shortcut perspective, when I'm stumped, I go to Google Trends and I start typing the keyword and looking for news stories. This, boy, this will take you back. We had a course in 2009 that was on starting a hot dog cart. <laughs> yes, I remember. Hot I dog cart that. secrets. I, yeah. yeah. I have not heard about Harry. this. Yeah, right? <laughs> And what we did, we actually were selling, we were looking at uh, at importing hot dog carts from China, which we were doing, and we were actually going to sell the hot dog cart with all the branding. Totally remember this. Yeah, man. And we've been in some crazy stuff before you got here. We got all serious after you showed up for some reason. No, (laughs) no, I'm totally joking. So, so our so our plan was like, let's sell hot dog carts branded and do kind of a license, like pseudo franchise type thing. We're called the Finer Franks Gourmet Hot Dogs. So we had menus and all this stuff. So we were selling, we were selling this course on how to start a hot dog cart business. And the upsell was going to be this license. Then we wanted to ultimately try to like franchise and actually get into the food business. What? So this was 2009. Crazy. Yeah, we got, I'll tell you, we got distracted and went down some other paths. And ultimately <laughs> that business just, I think it had a decent, I know some other people who did some similar things did quite well. We got too distracted, didn't focus on it, and so it died on the vine. Anyway. I feel like that would have done really well in Austin, though. That was like my first restaurant that I fell in love with in Austin was Frank. Totally. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The gourmet hot dog stand. Yeah. <laughs> this was before, like, now that, yeah. yeah, this was before food trucks were a big mm-hmm. thing. Right. Now, like, hot hamburgers, there's all, like, the gourmet, like, paying 11 bucks for a hamburger kind of thing. We were going to do it with hot dogs, so we were a little bit ahead of our time, maybe, and then just got yeah. entrepreneurial ADHD and ran, focused on something else, <laughs> probably simpler and stupider. But anyway, so we were looking for this, and we're like, how on earth? It's hot dogs. It's not, like, hot dogs. Like, it's, uh, there's this new thing. We put meat in a tube. Like, this is not, <laughs> what's the new discovery? So what we did was uh, I just went to Google Trends and typed in hot dog stands. And one of the trending articles was about an investment banker who was laid off when Lehman Brothers went mm-hmm. under. So he was, he was a trader at Lehman. Lehman goes under. Keep in mind, this is 2009. So like all this had happened just the year before. Lehman goes under and it was this Wall Street Journal article from you know the year before about this trader who was now making more money slinging hot dogs than he was on Wall Street. Now, I love that. <laughs> what happened, right? You won't, oh my God, you won't believe what happened. You know how the economy's rough right now? We're all looking for a way to maybe start a new business or do something like this. Yeah, but hey, you know, everything kind of seems like whatever. Check this out. Let me tell you what happened. This guy gets mm. canned because Lehman goes under. He doesn't freak out into this. He starts slanging hot dogs, right? Now, so your thing, like, where did that come from? That was just going to Google Trends, mm-hmm. yeah. which I think is like trends.google.com or just yep. Google Trends. I bet it comes Believe up first. Yep. Yeah. So going there and, and doing a keyword, doing some keyword searches, uh, Reddit, looking for subreddits and just, I mean, you, you can go down some dark paths if you're not careful. But one of the things that I do uh, every week, and uh, sometimes we publish it, we run a newsletter, write a newsletter for our other company at scalable.co. And there's three sections. And so thing three is usually some 
meme or a stupid image that seems to make no sense. It's disconnected from anything business. And I ask myself, how can I turn this into a business lesson? Now I do that and I've been doing this for years just as a practice Mm -hmm. of how do I see this thing that seems that is seemingly disconnected and how do I make it connect to the thing that I want to talk about? That is something that you can practice. Comedians do this, right? The whole idea of a punchline is you have these two seemingly disconnected ideas that when you insert this third component to it, now it makes the other, now it makes both of these disparate things make sense in a surprising and delightful way. That's a happening. So I practice it. Literally, I practice it. I practice it in ways that have no direct benefit. It's been fun to get to include some of them in our uh, scalable memo newsletter. But beyond that, I just did it for fun. But Mm. keeping your eyes open, walking around with your eyes up, not always having your headphones in, listen to music or some podcast. Look at what's going on in the world around you. There are more ideas that you can tap into than you see. And nobody sees them because they're not looking. And you also had us go through our like when we were going through this process at Digital Marketer, like we worked through this, I mean, as recently as like two months ago, we did this specifically. And you had us work through like our very in-depth customer avatar so that we understood exactly who we were targeting and what they were interested in and what news events would actually be relevant to the avatar that we're trying to target. And we always get into what are their areas of interest? What books are they reading? What conferences are they attending? And getting really deep into like their psyche so that you can start learning like what would be interesting, like what news event would be interesting to that specific avatar, which I feel like was really helpful. And as we worked through it as a team, you're able to start seeing trends in terms of what we should be focused, like what area of interest we should be focused on. And then moving into that step of going into Google trends and which is my all time favorite pastime, but (laughs) looking at like what keywords they're searching for is even more helpful. I love hearing you talk about this because you know, exactly what we're trying to, what we've been implementing over the last six months as we start to change some of our systems. Yeah, it does. I'll tell you, it it doesn't. And and some of the ones that we found doing that, this is an old article but it's new to the people that we're sharing it with. Yeah. Right. And so that's the thing. It doesn't truly have to be a current event. Mm -hmm. It just has to be new to them. The beer bottles were always brown, y'all. I don't know how (laughs) else to say it, right? Mm -hmm. You just have to pluck something out of obscurity. Mm -hmm. And and it's like, oh, because of this, it creates this new path to this thing that that you've always wanted. I see so many marketers trying to convince people to do things they don't want to do. That's stupid. That's a lost cause. All right. If you want to do that, like start a religion, maybe try to do a charity. I don't know. Like that's a brutal way to make a living is to convince people to do things they don't already want to do. So if you're trying to get somebody to do something that they already want to do, you've got to ask yourself, why aren't they doing it anyway? What don't they, they don't have access to it. Does it mean they've never tried? Do they just figure out today that they want this? Well, for some people, sure. And they're going to believe it when you go, we've got it like freaking great. But for everybody else who's wanted it for a while and hasn't had it, it isn't because they haven't tried. So you've got to say like, why have they had it? What have been those inhibitors? Mm-hmm. What have been the, those, those points of friction? What have been those roadblocks that have kept them from getting it? If you just know those things, then you can see opportunities to break through them and see some third party proof cases. And sometimes you just invent it. Hey, we came up with this new thing. We created this new system, this new strategy, this new product, that it overcomes this common roadblock that is the reason you haven't gotten this thing you've always wanted. That, by the way, is why almost nothing outperforms the new. Mm -hmm. You come up with a new product, right? 
If you come up with, if you add a new feature to something that you're already doing, generally you're going to get a quick lift from that because it's new. It is a new pathway for this thing I've always wanted, but always having to come up with something new is a brutal way to make a living. And it certainly is no way to come up with predictable selling systems. Mm -hmm. So coming up with how do we make the old new is about attaching a new concept to something that they've seen before. For sure. And for those of you listening who have not gone through predictable selling system, and I think this is more of like a high level understanding of messaging. And one of the things that we wanted to hit on here with the time that we have left is like, how does this relate to the entry point offer for people? Uh, there's a lot of things that's that module, that whole system, which are super important. I find that this part, the messaging, and then the entry point offer are the the two areas where people have the most difficulty. So how does it relate to that? What can you say about the entry point offer with relation to messaging and, and how do you stay relevant and keep these selling systems being predictable and continuing to do what they're supposed to be doing? Yeah, great question. So let's go back to the butter in your coffee, right? Because it's a fun one, right? So yeah, Bulletproof Coffee, if you're not familiar with it, Dave Asprey, this idea of blend up some butter and some MCT oil and have that be the first, the only thing you have in the morning. So you're, and again, I'm, I don't do this, by the way, mostly because I'm lazy, but I know plenty of friends who do and they're, and they're super diehard, but let's say that's the big idea. Oh yeah. Right. Let's say that that is your big idea is butter in coffee. And, and this big idea could have been something that you discovered and you created. It could have been something that you took a trip to Peru and you found that they did this. And so you brought it back. It could be an article that you found in doing Google trends. So you've discovered a big idea, right? You've discovered a happening mm-hmm. right now that's going to inform your messaging. Now let's talk structure, which is where you're going. So what you could do is say, holy crap, this thing happened. If you opt in to the special report, we'll give you the step-by-step and a recipe guide of how to do this. So that's a lead magnet. And then maybe the next thing is great. So you've got the thing, if you want videos on how to do this, or if you want to buy a starter kit on how to do this, if you want to buy a bigger kit, now we get into the upsell, Mm -hmm. right? That's a funnel. So that's a structure. What you could also do is say, holy crap, this thing happened. We're hosting a 30 day challenge. That's called like butter up your life challenge and pay (laughs) this much to get in this challenge. Same message, same big idea, new structure. It could be where it's, we're going to do a webinar or we're going to have a mini class opt in for this multi-part video series, mini class. And then at the end of each video or at the end of video three, you make the offer. The structure is independent of the big idea. And if you have a big idea, the best thing in the world that you, you know, can do is to introduce that big idea through multiple structures. That's how you get into how one big idea can turn into three or four predictable selling systems. Same idea, different structures. And there's some people like me, if you only sell through webinar, good chance I've never bought anything from you. I'd rather eat my pinky than sit on a webinar. Now we host them all the time and people love them. It is not my thing. Now, if, if you've got a mini class version of that webinar, can I just go and watch videos? I will watch them. I will opt in. I will register. I will watch them and I will buy from that all day long. I've seen me do it. Right. But if it's a webinar, probably not going to, probably not going to work. Probably not going to happen. Same thing with the paid challenge. I, I like doing them. I think they're fun. When we do the challenges, it's great. I love the interactivity. Mm-hmm. I've bought two or three challenges. I've gone to none of them. <laughs> right. I don't know what that says about me. Maybe it says I'm a miserable failure. The point is, if that's the only structure that you have, then probably not going to work. The lead magnet, opting in for a lead magnet, sure, I'll do that all day long. 
Now, if if it's just download the lead magnet and then you hope I buy after reading the lead magnet, good freaking luck. That's getting sent to my inbox. Maybe I open it. Maybe I don't. Maybe I get distracted. If on that next thank you page, you're like, hey, if you download this lead magnet, you probably want this other thing too. Good chance I'm buying, right? So there's not one perfect structure because nobody wants to buy the exact same way. And so what you want to do is keep an eye for, out for the structures that are performing well in your market. So we talked about it, the challenge, which is like a paid online event. Sure. That's performing really well right now. I'm seeing lots of marketers doing it, which is how you know it's absolutely going to stop working. Because again, marketers <laughs> ruin everything. <laughs> Webinars are performing really well right now. I have no doubt that at some point, the lead magnet to Tripwire will come back again because it all cycles back. But you want to take one big idea and, and turn it into multiple, leverage that across multiple offer structures and test them. Because there's going to be a lot of people who, and this is where lead magnets still come into play and that all funnel. It doesn't work as well in acquisition right now because it takes too long to experience a high average customer value. It just takes too long. Whereas somebody opts in for a webinar or a mini class, because you're a, because you have more time to deliver your message, you can make a higher ticket offer. You can actually realize a higher average customer value faster than if you say $7, $100, $300. Right. Right. Your acquisition cost ostensibly will be higher, but you've got now a customer, right? Exactly. You got a customer and, and you generate a lot, but there's a lot of people who are going to register for that webinar and never show up. Right, you're going to send reminders. You're going to run encores and replays, and they're never going to show up. Yeah. So what do you do? You go, hey, we got this mini class. Go watch over here. Hey, we just came out with this new special report. Go download it. Mm -hmm. And so the main way that we're using lead magnets today is not as an acquisition offer, but as an activation offer, a reengagement, mm -hmm. a reactivation offer for the people who didn't buy the first time to get them back into the funnel. And it's amazing. Now the opt-in, the $7 to the whatever, what do you know? It's working like a charm. Mm -hmm. not, it's not yeah. working great on acquisition, mm -hmm. but it's working well to the people who are already on our list. Internally, yeah. And so it's not that these things stop working completely. It's that they don't always work at the same position in the broader acquisition funnel. And you just have to look at your data, really. That's so. That's just the thing that people don't tend to look at. It's like, all right, if you're having a webinar, like we're experiencing this issue right now with a number of customers, only 50% of people load the damn page. So like the webinar, you're only, if you're paying $12 a lead, you're actually paying $24 a lead because only yeah. half are actually watching it. Of those half, only 26 watch it, 26% watch it all the way through. Like there yep. clearly has to be another entry point. There has got to be another entry point offer. So that's why you start working it. You understand your dynamics and you understand your statistics. What we're really talking about here, and this is obviously is in the entire, the entire predictable selling system modules is gated content as an entry point offer. But there are two other entry point offers. There's one that's particular to the Bulletproof Coffee one. For me as an ad agency, I'm like, well, if I say put butter in your coffee, we'll just go buy it right now and test it out. Check it out, maybe as a lost leader mm -hmm. kind of thing. Can you explain maybe the other types of entry point offers and where they're appropriate based upon businesses? Sure. I mean, so sometimes sometimes you do make just go direct to maybe it's sign up and get this discount and go buy something right away. That's another entry, that's another entry point offer. The idea behind the there's so many different structures. Most of them, though, need to begin with the equivalent of 
that very first date, mm-hmm. right? And so what we are seeing is that getting somebody to opt in, that's like, hey, can I get your number, <laughs> right? And that's good. That's a good first step. But what we're seeing is you got to, once you got the number, you don't say, great, I've got your number. I'll call you next week because they don't answer. (laughs) Customers are getting distracted, right? Mm -hmm. So what you need to do is get the number and go, awesome. What are you doing Thursday night? And you need to make the offer right then and there on that thank you page, Mm -hmm. right? And, And so what does that look like? Really, it starts to look a little bit more like a mini class, starts to look a little bit more like not necessarily a webinar per se, but the download, the lead magnet was just something there to give them the opt-in to get it to the next page where they could see that, where they could see that sales message. So in, in all of these things, we're simply asking, what's the best way today in this time, in this climate to get somebody to meet us for coffee, mm. mm-hmm. to make yep. a small little commitment of time, to make a small little commitment of money. Mm-hmm. And that changes when somebody signs up for a paid challenge, they're saying, yeah, cool. I'll pay 20, 30, 40, $50 to go through this. 7, 14, 30 day challenge, right? Whatever it is, you know, that works today. That's a direct going from ad to direct buy, no lead magnet or anything in between. Mm -hmm. That is working in a lot of markets right now today. It likely will stop working at some point. By likely, I mean, it'll certainly stop working exactly to that extent, but it doesn't mean that you can't take that same message. And instead of driving somebody to a pay challenge, invite them to a webinar Mm -hmm. or ask them just to uh, purchase a book Mm-hmm. book funnel would be another <laughs> type of idea. Like buy this book that's on this topic, right? Or drive them straight to a form, uh, straight to a demo, mm-hmm. right? There's so many ways to do it. There's no like, if there were one perfect way to do it that always worked there, you would only ever see one thing being sold in one way. Yeah, Markets are efficient enough to get there. If there were one perfect way of doing it, then there would only ever be one. And so look around at what's working and mimic but don't stop there. And if it stops working, don't throw your hands in the air and go, well, that's it. I guess nobody wants what I'm selling anymore. Mm-mm. They just don't want to buy it that way anymore. Right. Absolutely. And I think there's been a real shift. And I think this is something that if you look sort of at the evolution of selling systems used to be called funnels and obviously the <laughs> lead magnet tripwire thing, but it's like it, just because the competition or somebody else out there isn't doing it doesn't mean that you shouldn't at least try doing it because webinars were a big thing. Now you're saying, well, webinars are actually really great for reactivation for internally or for maybe it challenges. It's like, there's no one pathway. I think digital marketing 10 years ago was like your model, the lead magnet tripwire, like everybody was doing it. Like that was the only way to do it. When in fact, by, by so many marketers doing it, they started to ruin it. And then when it didn't work, they said, oh, my business doesn't work or my Facebook ads don't work or whatever it happens to be. <laughs> but it's really, it's about looking at your mm-hmm. market and almost turning all this offer stuff sort of on its head. Like what used to work before, you can still insert it somewhere in your sales process, but maybe not the way that you used to do it. Yeah. And sometimes you, you're going to have to wait longer. Like, so different market cycles change. So it helps that I'm old. I've been doing this for a while. I remember the last cycle that we had that was like this in 2008 and and 2009. And what we saw then was we saw uh, what I would refer to as crisis buying. And what happens there is what people do is they graze and then hoard. 
So what they'll do is they will, you know, consume a lot of littles. So they'll want to read a lot of blog posts and listen to everything that they could do while they're trying to figure out the action they should take. And they will basically go on 50 first dates, right? Right. That they are like, uh, go, go, go. But then when they find the one, they're all in. Everybody else is dead to them. They are all in. And so what we're seeing right now is, hey, you got to get people into your funnel, but then shoot your shot. Mm. You got to get, you got to get people, don't propose marriage on a first date, but you probably should do it on a second. Hmm. We saw that back in 08, 09. We're seeing it again today. When we first came out with the idea of lead magnet tripwire, mm. march them up slowly and, and subtly. This is when people were coming out of that mode mm. and they were saying, Hey, I got time. I got time. Everything's fine. Things are generally fine. <laughs> They're fine. I'm not worried about it. I'm interested, but Hey, let's take this slow. I got time. It's, you know, and so, okay, lead magnet to tripwire to core. We're going to slowly march and we're going to take a long time. That's what, when a lot of my, my friends, when we were young, everybody dated for a long time. They were engaged for a long time. They took their time. Some of my friends, they're, you know, divorced and they're getting a bit old and they're like, I don't got time. I'm going to meet somebody. And like, if they're ready to get married, it's like, we're going to meet, we're going to date for a bit. It's like, cool, let's get married. <laughs> right. That activity more resembles crisis buying mode because people just go, we don't have, I don't have that much time. I got to figure out a solution and I got to go all in. I got a chance mm-hmm. to make one bet. I'm going to push all my chips in. I'm going to, I'm going to do a lot of research on the front end, mm-hmm. but when I find what I think I'm looking for, I'm all in. Now this is a theory, right? It's a theory that I have about why I believe the, have somebody opt in for a lead magnet and slowly march them down this path doesn't work as well. It's because somebody else said, Hey, nice to meet you. Want to get married? And they went, yep. And so you lost them. Mm-hmm. And so we, that's why you're having people say, pay 50 bucks and let's do this thing for 30 days on these challenges. And folks are going, screw it. I'm in, mm-hmm. let's do it. I don't have enough. I don't think when things get better and they will, they always do. Things are cyclical, right? I don't think that that's going to work as well. And again, it's because I've seen these cycles before and cycles repeat. So that is a, a tip that I would give people when you're looking at, at structures, but take it for what it is, whether what I said is true or whether it's merely correlational and not causational, it's what we're generally seeing. And it's a theory, but you got to know that anytime stuff changes, there's a good chance that the way you were doing it before is not going to work as well in this new reality. I mean, even looking at what was working last year, I remember having conversations with conversations at the beginning of last year and saying, should, should we do a webinar? And I remember Justin Rondo saying, absolutely not for the love of God, we are not doing a webinar. (laughs) And now look at what we're doing. All, almost all of our funnels have some form of a mini class or a webinar or a challenge. And and making the big ticket offer right from the beginning. Hey, we would like $5,000. Yep. Right. So starting them high. Early in the webinar, not waiting to the. Well, fairly early in the webinar and also just somebody signing up for the webinar and and not trying to upsell them. Just shoot your shot. Right. And and that's what we're doing. And I think in the past we would have been worried and data showed that if you do that and they say no, there's a good chance they're not going to say yes later. What we're knowing right now is if you don't do that, somebody else is, they're (laughs) going to say yes to them and you're going to miss it. Super interesting. So uh, things change, stuff changes. And and as a result, structures will change. Messages though, the Mm -hmm. message is the kind of thing that can persist and can overlap multiple structures. Just keep that in mind. You got message and you got structure. Sure, The message needs to be you need to identify the core desire and you need to attach a happening to it. 
What happened? Why should I care? Why should I believe that this thing I've always wanted now can come true? Mm-hmm. Right. That's the message. And then the, the structure is just looking around at what's working. Right. Is it a traditional lead magnet tripwire to core offer to profit maximizer funnel? Is it bring somebody into a webinar? Is it bring somebody into a mini class? Is it the paid challenge? Is it the book or the quiz or the whatever? Acquisition funnels and structures have been around and they rotate and they cycle in and out. Mm. And there's no perfect one. There just isn't. But look at what's working now. But don't be surprised when it changes. Because yeah. it will. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And being aware, it just the observations here is fascinating. But just being aware of that fact, not thinking like, nobody wants what I have anymore. It's just, you just got to change with the times. Mm-hmm. Messaging, obviously, a huge part of that. And then that entry point offer, obviously, a huge part of that as well. So this has been tremendous. And I think for anybody who has not purchased predictable selling system. I don't know why I keep plugging it, but it's like, it's such a good, like you gave a lot of the big highlights here, but it's like, it's a step-by-step system. I think today, especially because we certainly see it, people's patience and their intent to buy is like, there is that grazing mentality, but then when they go in and we're certainly seeing it through the ad spend that, that we manage, and I think this has been a super relevant episode, not only for just listeners of the show, but you know our customers and anybody who is trying to market themselves online right now, because there's a huge swell of offline over to online. And this is at the core of it all. So thanks for coming on Perpetual Traffic. Hopefully it won't take us another hundred or so episodes to have you back again. Oh, you say that every time, Ralph, and you break my heart. You say it every time. I know. I've said that. I think that's the third time. I will say, since you mentioned predictable selling system, it is not on the market right now. So if somebody's like, can I go and buy it? It's not. But if you're a lab member, we do still have it inside of lab. So I would encourage you join lab, sign up on the messaging side. Amanda and I actually did a workshop on the Blitz launch. We did. And the first half of it was me talking about messaging and going in greater depth in what I shared there in terms of identifying core offers and happenings. And and the second half was Amanda going into, okay, now that you have it, how do you actually roll it out and run the the traffic in the campaign? So between Blitz launch and let's Mm -hmm. build a predictable selling system, both of which, if you're a lab member, you got them. And if you're not, you should be, are available inside of the the members area for, for lab. Perfect. Shameless plug. Shameless plug. But <laughs> yay, that's say hey, you can Worth do it. that. Absolutely. <laughs> it's the next logical step, Ryan. Yeah. So this is just the teaser. This is the bite-sized chunk. <laughs> so we will obviously leave all the resources that we mentioned here in the show notes for this week's episode. Make sure that you head on over to digitalmarketer.com forward slash podcast. This has been episode 280. Brian Deist, thanks for coming on. And until next week, see ya. You've been listening to Perpetual Traffic. For more information and to get the resources mentioned in this episode, visit digitalmarketer.com forward slash podcast. Thank you for listening. Thank you.